right, Matthew chapter number 27. Matthew chapter number 27. We're going to continue. Uh, I know it seems like we're taking forever to get through Matthew, uh, but it, 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 I don't know. I, I was going to try to finish this chapter, but it's just not going to happen today. Uh, but we're going to get some good stuff. Amen. Uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how long it takes. We've got till Jesus comes. Amen. All right. Matthew 27, we stopped with Barabbas in verse 26. So let's start in verse 27. So Matthew 27, 27. And we'll get down to verse 32. We're going to talk about another character. You know, so far we've discussed Peter and his fall. We discussed Judas and his betrayal. We discussed Barabbas and the great exchange that took place there. Well, we're going to talk today about a man by the name of Simon. Simon of Cyrene. I really couldn't. I wanted to go into great detail about the crucifixion. Uh, but maybe, maybe next week or, or another day we can do that. But I couldn't get off of this man, Simon. And I said, Lord, what, what, what do you want to show us about Simon? And so that's what we're going to see today. Okay. Matthew 27, 27. If you're there, say amen. amen. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers. And they stripped him and put him on a scarlet robe. When they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. And after that, they had mocked him. They took the robe off from him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to be or led him away to crucify him. And as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, him they compelled to bear his cross. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for the, the worship, the music, everything today has been such a blessing. Lord, I thank you for this crowd here this morning. I thank you for their commitment. Lord, they, have, they are faithful to be in your house, to study your word, to gather together, to encourage one another. And Lord, I pray they won't leave disappointed today. I believe I have what you want me to preach. I believe I have what you've given me to share. But Lord, more than anything, I need your unction. I need the Holy Spirit. I need your power and your ability. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit. Control my mind. Control my words. Control my thoughts. Lord, don't let me say anything I shouldn't. And don't let me forget anything I should. And God will praise you and thank you and give you the glory and the honor for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. I want to read. Uh, I put in your notes. I put in your notes on purpose. Uh, how many times have you heard me say, uh, when, you, when you read something, especially in the synoptic gospels, okay? When you see something in the synoptic gospels, you say, what in the world is the synoptic gospel? Synoptic synonymous, meaning the same. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Say that with me. They are called the synoptic gospels because they are very synonymous. They contain uh, much of the same thing. You have John who picked out seven miracles and described him. His gospel it is, is a little different than the first three. But in the synoptic gospels, if you'll put these together and you'll find this same man found in all three of them, sometimes you need to read all three of them to get the complete picture. 
because Mark tells us who his sons were when the other two don't. So if you didn't read Mark, you wouldn't know he is the father of Rufus and Alexander. And we'll, we'll explain why that's important in a minute. So I put all three here in the top of your notes. So let's look at them real quick. All right. We just read Matthew. Well, well, let's read it again. Matthew 27, 32. And as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, him they compelled to bear his cross. Okay. That's the first one. Mark 15, 21. And they compel one Simon of Cyrene who passed by. Now we learn something new coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus to bear his cross. So, so here in Mark, we learned two things. He was coming out of the country when it happened. He was not in the city. He was coming out of the country, going into the city. And this took place. Luke 23, 26. And also in Mark, we found out he is daddy of Alexander and Rufus. Luke 23, 26. And as they led him away, they laid hold upon one Simon, a Cyrenian, coming out of the country, and on him laid they the cross. Here's the, here's the other thing we learned that's not in the first one. That he might bear it after Jesus. He might bear it after Jesus. He was not under the cross with Jesus. He was carrying the cross behind Jesus. So where does that place Jesus? in front. All right. And that's going to be important. So with these things that we learn, let's, let's talk about, let's talk about this man before we jump into the outline real quick. All right. Let me just give you a little, a little background on Simon. Simon was from Cyrene, which we would know right now as Libya. Some say it was Tripoli, uh, Tripoli, Libya, where he came from. There was a, there was a large Greek colony here in this particular area, in this particular place with a, with a group of, uh, Jews also there. Now it's about 900 miles away from Jerusalem. And if you, if you remember, uh, the Jews were scattered all over the planet. Are y'all with me? They're, they're scattered everywhere, but it was required of an Orthodox Jew to come back to Jerusalem at one of these feasts, especially the Passover, and it, really they were supposed to come every year to three different feasts, but because of financial reasons, because of economic reasons, and because they were scattered so far away, many of them would only be able to come once a year and some once in a lifetime. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And so here we find this man you know, some say, well, he was, he was a black man because he was from Africa, but that's not necessarily the case. He might've been, we, we don't know. He might've been, he might've been an African, uh, that was a proselyte to the Jewish religion and he converted to Judaism and now he's coming to celebrate the feast. But I tend to believe that he was a, uh, one of the Jews who was in the diaspora, who was scattered out and now he's coming back. Most likely this might've been, this might've been a once in a lifetime trip that he's bringing his two sons to come 900 miles of most of that is walking. Some of y'all didn't even drive to church this morning, but this was a big deal. This was very important. So So they have made this trek. They have made this pilgrimage. Can you imagine the excitement? 
We're finally going to get to see the temple. We're finally going to get to see Jerusalem. We're finally going to worship in, in the land of our fathers. What an exciting time this is going to be. Him and his boys, they are together and they are going to experience this together. But something happened that changed his life. And we'll get to the change here in a minute. But let's, let's look at three things that we pull out. This is going to be very simple. This is going to be very simple. I thought, Lord, what in the world can I get out of this? It don't say much about anything. But, oh, it says a ton. It says a ton. First of all, first of all, let's look at this man and how he applies or how, how it is a picture of a, a disciple of Christ. All right. First of all, first of all, let's look in the last uh, let's look in the last on, on the top of your notes up there on the top of your notes. It says Luke 26. And as they led him away, they laid hold upon Simon, a Cyrenian. What's the next thing? Everybody say it coming out of the country. Now, where, where was Jesus? Where was Jesus being, uh, where was he being interrogated and where was he being put on trial? Was he, was he in the country or was he in the city? In the city. He was in the city walls. Now it was, it was not kosher. It was not legal to execute somebody within the city walls. So they have to take whoever they're executing, whoever they're killing, they have to take them out of the city, out of the city walls, outside the camp, to have them executed. So here's the, here's, now remember, they're already in the procession, right? They're already in the procession. Jesus has already been scourged. He's already been beaten. He's already been mauled. He's already got the crown of thorns on his head. Now he is carrying his cross, but he gets weak because of the blood loss, because of the beating that he took, whatever, whatever the reason there, he begins to have trouble carrying his cross. The Romans are in a hurry. They're wanting to, they're wanting to get this job done. They're wanting to make sure and get him on the cross before he dies. So what do they do? They grab a bystander that was coming from where? Come on. I can't hear you. He's coming from out of the country. Where was Jesus in the procession coming from out of the, so they are going from the city to the country. Say that with me from the, and, 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 and Simon was going from the, now, watch this. They're fixing to cross paths. Are y'all with me? I'm going somewhere. Come on, y'all get with me. It's all right. Y'all didn't get enough Red Bull this morning. Amen. Come on. Wake up. All right. Simon is coming from the country. Jesus is coming from the city. But guess what Simon has to do? He has to change direction. He has to change direction. He was, watch this now, watch this, go ahead and write that down. He was going one way and he had to change direction and go the, the other way. You say, what does that got to do with a Christian? It has everything to do with a Christian. It has everything to do with a Christian. Do you realize to become a Christian, you have to change direction. You have to, what is this a picture of? It is a picture of repentance. Repentance. I know that's not a popular word in the day and hour that we live in. I know churches are getting away from that word. They don't like to talk about that word. They don't want to preach about that or sing about that word. They want everybody to feel good about everything. Let's just make everybody comfortable. But do you understand without repentance, there'll be no salvation. 
John Baptist comes out of the wilderness preaching hellfire and brimstone and says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. When his head, listen, was taken off of his body and Jesus stepped in right behind him, his message was repent. He sent the disciples out to preach, repent. Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, repent. Paul preached, repent. And I'm here to tell you, you better repent. It takes repentance. Repentance is a turn. It is a turn from one direction to the other direction. Look, look, look what I, I put here. What, 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 read this with me. Repentance. You know, I, I've heard people say this a lot. Oh, preacher, oh, preacher. It's not, you, you don't have to quit sinning and all that. You just got to change your mind. Because the definition of repentance change your mind. That's true. That's true. I'm not going to argue that fact. But here's the thing. If you keep sinning and practicing it and living in it, then that tells me you didn't change your mind. Watch this. Watch this. Repentance is no mere academic change of mind, nor simply regret or remorse. John Baptist speaks of repentance as a radical turning from sin that inevitably manifests itself in fruits of righteousness. It's a desire to turn from one's sins and restore a relationship with God whom our sins have offended. Do y'all understand that? Repentance is not just changing your mind. Listen, if it was, if you do change your mind, it will change your direction. It will change the way you live. I, I, I made a post. Maybe I shouldn't have, but I couldn't help it. I, I just, this is, I, it's, it's about to irritate the fire out of me watching Christians justify and even celebrate sin. There's no justification for sin. They say, well, sin in a believer is different than sin in a lost person. Yeah, it's worse. It's worse. You preacher, are you sinless? No, absolutely not. Nobody is sinless, but we do sin less. Boy, y'all quiet this morning. We do sin less. You don't have to sin. Listen, what, what is the difference when a child of God who is a true believer, when they repent, they change their mind about their sin. It's not, listen, it's not what it used to be. Now we see sin as God sees sin. Now we come into agreement with God about how horrible and how ghastly and how terrible sin is. And when we do sin, it grieves us. Man, that's when you know you're saved. When, when you do something foolish and automatically, man, you begin to grieve because you know that you've disappointed God. Boy, we need this priest from every corner of the housetop. We need this priest in every community, in every city. So, oh, we need to be more inclusive. We need to be more accepting. We need to, listen, I, I'm not, I, anybody can come to this building. Anybody can come to this building, but I'm going to tell, tell you what's right and wrong. Well, we can believe we can live like this and still be a Christian. No, you cannot. You can't listen to me. You cannot. You cannot live opposite of what the Bible teaches and claim to be a Christian. That means you did not repent. You did not turn from your sin and turn 
to a holy God. Repentance is salvation. It's salvation. But that's just the beginning. That's just the beginning. Now, so first of all, we see, what did he do? Number one, he... Oh, I've made a bunch of y'all mad today. Y'all thought y'all was going to hear a 4th of July sermon, isn't it? Uh-huh, they fireworks. Listen, this is important. Churches are being so watered down. And anyway, that's all I'm going to say about it. You know you're supposed to repent. Don't even act like that. Number one, he... Everybody say it up in the shelf. Everybody say it. Ready? Number one, he he changed direction. He changed direction. Number two, number two, watch this. He carried a cross. He carried a cross. Now this is something very important that I think is really being either watered down or not even talked about at all in the Christian walk. Jesus says over and over again, Matthew 16, 24, then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him come on everybody, let him and take up his cross and follow me. Luke 9, 23. And he said unto them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. First Corinthians 15, 31. I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ, our Lord. I what? I die daily. Romans 12, 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living what? Holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, what is this carrying this cross? What's it a picture of? If, if changing going from the country into the city, now I got to turn my direction and go back the other way. That's a picture of repentance. Well, this is a picture of self denial. Say that with me. Say it again. Self denial. Do you realize the Bible says that if we don't do this, we cannot be his disciple. That if we're not willing to do this, we're not worthy to be a disciple. Self-denial. Now, I know, I know what I'm fixing to say. What I'm fixing to say is really going to be ironic considering the celebration tomorrow. It, It really is. But that's okay. I preached on Judas on Father's Day. So, hey. Brother Doug, that's where we landed. Amen. That's where we landed in the Bible. Do you know what it means to be a Christian? It means, watch this now, everybody, everybody. Now, now sit on your hands so you don't throw nothing at me. <laughs> Being a Christian means losing your liberty. Losing your liberty. Think about America. You got this side fighting over the right to kill their children. You have this side fighting over the right to carry a bazooka. We want our our rights. 
But you know what you do when you become a Christian? You give up your rights. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm feeling it now. Well, I'm feeling the vibes in here. Do you know what word? Do you know what word that Paul used every time he referred to himself after he became a Christ follower? Is the Greek word doulos. You know what that word means? That's the English word. But that's not what that means. It's the word slave. You say, that's the same thing. Oh, no. No, no. A servant can leave and go work for somebody else. A servant has rights. A servant gets paid. But you know what Paul says about himself? I'm a slave of Jesus Christ. I have no rights. I have no freedoms, liberties. I belong to Jesus. Now, you see this Americanized, and, and, I, and I'm, for all, I'm all for liberty. I'm all for liberty. Don't please, don't, please don't take away. Uh, trust me, I'm all for, for the Bible, the book, and, 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 and guns. Amen. I'm all about it. I'm all about freedom. Thank God for free. I, I, I'm glad I get to go to church, whatever church I want to go to, whenever I want to go to it, however many times I want. I'm all about that. But let's not mix our patriotism with Scripture. The scripture says, deny yourself. Say that with me. Say it again. Say it again. Deny yourself, take up your cross and follow Jesus. You know what? Let's, let's say what that means. Let's say what that means. Deny yourself means to say no to what you want, to what you desire, to what pleases you. It's not about me, Lord Jesus. It's all about, are y'all with me? I, 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 I seen this quote. I seen this quote. This is amazing. By A.W. Tozier. Look what it says. A.W. Tozier said, among the plastic saints of our times, Jesus has to do all the dying. And all we want to hear is another sermon about his dying. Hearing about his death is much more comforting than hear that we have to die to give up, to give over, to say no to one thing, to say yes to another. Isn't that amazing? Is that not true here in America? We always want to talk and we always want to hear about Jesus dying, but Jesus says we are to die to self. We are to die to our pleasures and our desires and our wishes and our wants and say, God, what do you want? What do you desire for my life? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to be? How do you want me to live? Are y'all with me? What happened? What is a cross for? What is a cross for? What do they use a cross for? What do people do on the cross? So it's an instrument of... Take up your cross. You know what Jesus is saying? Die. Look, look, Romans, Romans. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye, ye, ye present your bodies a living. Now, 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 where did they put the sacrifices? On the, on, on the, well, the cross, the altar. 
Here's the problem. Most Christians at salvation crawl up on that altar and then when they get something they want to do, they crawl off. God, I know what you said, but I know the Bible teaches this, but I know what you want for my life. That's not dying. That's not dying. And we got Christians running around all over this planet who said, I want to go to heaven, but I want to do what I want to do. That's, you know what, brother Doug, you know what I learned? I wish, I wish at the point of salvation, this is, I'm telling you, I know I'm just confessing a little bit here. I wish at the point of salvation that I died and I stayed dead. I do. I wish, I wish, Lord, I confess today. Lord, I surrender to you today. I want to do what you want me to do. I want to live how you want me to live. I want to talk like you want me to talk. I want to treat people like you want me to treat people. And, and I die to myself, Lord, I die to myself. And you know what? The next day I come back alive. I know y'all so holy in here. My goodness, the spirituality that is oozing out of this place. I know y'all, you know what Paul said? I die. You know what Jesus said? Take up your cross. That means every day you got to. Is anybody going to be honest for about five seconds with your preacher and say, preacher, I struggle this every day too. I wake up in the morning with such good intentions. And I pray as the Lord, I'm going to act right today. I'm going to live right today. I'm going to do, do what I'm supposed to do today. And then I get on I-65. <laughs> and then I realize I'm not as dead as I thought I was. Y'all with me? Have you died to self? There was a day I wanted to be a veterinarian. I did. I want to be a veterinarian. I grew up a preacher's kid. The last thing I want to do is be a preacher. I saw what my dad went through. I want to deal with things that don't talk back. Say amen. (laughs) But God had other plans. I've had several plans in my life, but God had different plans. And at some point in your life, you're going to have to be at a place where you say, Lord, not my, but. Does that sound familiar? Think about this a minute. Everybody look at me. I I know some of y'all, you you, you got your, y'all flustered about that independence thing I said a while ago, but that's okay. But hear me on this. Jesus died before he ever made it to Calvary. He was in a garden praying under such intensity, but this is what he said. He said, this is what I want. This is what I want. Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not, but, you know what he did right there? That's what we have to do. You're never going to be the disciple 
that Jesus wants you to be until you have to die to yourself. Let me, let me explain it this way. Let me explain it this way. Where are you getting this from? You're just pulling this out. of the, No, 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 no. Watch this. Watch this. Simon walked or traveled on ship 900 miles with his boys for the opportunity to take part in the Passover feast and worship at the temple. It was a dream come true, a trip of a lifetime. He was headed to do it. Watch now, stay with me. He was headed to do it. And now the Roman soldiers grab him and force him to carry a bloody cross. And now it's all over him. Guess what he is now? Guess what he is now? Defiled. And he will not be able to take part in something that he traveled nine hundred miles to do. And don't worry about them babies. Them babies is fine. I'm a full grown preacher. <laughs> if any preacher can't preach over any baby, you don't, it ain't worth hearing. Amen. They, they fine. They okay. I'd rather them be right here than not in church at all. Amen. Amen. So don't even worry about them. Now watch this. Watch this. He gave up his rights. To carry Jesus' cross. But I think he got the good end of the deal. And I'll show you that in a minute. Number three. Hurry, 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 hurry. Y'all ain't listening fast enough. Hurry, hurry. Number one. What did he do? He. And that's a picture of. Come on, everybody. Y'all don't even like saying the word, do you? Amen. That's a picture of repentance. All right. Then he. He carried a cross. Now, what is that a picture of? Self-denial. Sometimes we have to tell ourselves. All right. Look at number three. Look at number three. He came after Jesus. He came after the Savior. Look what it says in the last one. Look what it says in the last one. It says this right here. In, in uh, uh, Luke. No, 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 no. Luke 23, 26. Luke 23, 26. This is what we learned. And as they led him away, they laid hold upon one Simon, a Cyrenian, coming out of the country. And on him, they laid the cross. So there we have repentance. We have self-denial. Now watch this. That he might bear it after Jesus. So Jesus is in the front and Simon is following. Come on, everybody. Simon is following. All right. Watch this now. Watch what the Bible says. Matthew 16, 24. Matthew 16, 24, then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, that word means to accompany, by the way, to accompany, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow him. You know what that means? You know what that means? If you read it, you can't do that unless you deny yourself, take up your cross. Y'all with me? Luke 14, 27, and whosoever doth not bear his cross and cannot be my disciple. The word come after means accompany. It means to be in the same way with. You say, preacher, what is this a picture of? It's a picture of pursuing Christ. Pursuing Christ. I love this. The psalmist says in Psalm 63, 8, 
My soul followeth hard after thee. My soul followeth hard. And and the word followeth hard in the Hebrew, it means to catch by pursuit. In other words, he's saying, I want to catch you. I want to pursue you. I want to chase you, God. I want to chase your presence. I want to seek you. Psalm 63, 1 and 2, a Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. This is when he was fleeing from uh, Saul, the king, and he was hiding. He was used to being in Jerusalem. He was used to being at a place where he could worship. He was used to being around the tabernacle so he could worship. But now he is in hiding in caves. And it says, oh God, thou art my God. Early will I. Come on, everybody. Early will I. My soul, what? Thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is to see thy power and thy glory. So as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. You know what he's saying? He's saying, man, I'm in this, I'm in this cave. I'm in this place away and I can't wait to be able to get back to the sanctuary. I can't wait to get back into the presence of God. I can't wait to be where you are, God. Psalms 42, one and two, as the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God, my soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? I want to be in his presence. Psalms 84, two, my soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. What does that mean? He has been taken away from being able to be at the court, at the sanctuary, at the place where the Shekinah glory of God dwell. And he's not been able to go. He's not been able to be there. And he's longing after it. He's hungering for it. He said, oh God, I can't wait till I get back and see your presence and be in your presence and feel the glory of God. Oh, my soul. Man, if that wasn't your cry in 2000 or 2020, if that wasn't your cry when they outlawed us for being in the house of God, if you could not wait to get back here and sing the songs of Zion, if you couldn't wait to get back here and be in the presence and the glory of God, something's wrong. What does this mean? This is, this is pursuing God's presence. This is seeking after God. Are you chasing everything in this world and what it has to offer? Well, let me tell you something. All of that is temporary. That's why God said, seek ye first the temp- listen, the, the, the kingdom of God. Are you seeking him? Are you pursuing him? Watch this now. You'll never pursue him till you die. You'll never pursue his will till you die to your own. You'll never pursue his direction till you die to your own. You'll never want what he wants for your life till you die to what you want. He is following Jesus. When Jesus stopped, he stopped. When Jesus went forward, he went forward. His sole focus was on, he couldn't see nothing but Jesus. He was in a hostile environment. They were hailing all of these accusations and screaming and hot. Can you imagine being in the middle of that? But all he did was keep his eyes on. I don't know if y'all notice or not, but you fair weather Christians in here. It's fixing to get hot. 
You're fixing to learn what many people in many other countries have already realized and have gone through in persecution. You think, and, and, and listen, if, if you think the devil and the liberal crowd is going to roll over because of this Supreme Court thing, you've got, you're, you're living in a delusional fantasy. Because my Bible does not say it's going to get better and better and better. It's going to get worse and worse and worse. And if I'm telling you, you will not make it. You will not make it if you don't learn to die to yourself and begin to pursue him. I know, I know this is really kind of a hard one, but I don't have my suit on. Brother Doug, I learned last week I was predictable. They said that every time I wear a suit, I chew them out. So I slip one in on them. <clears throat> I'm kidding. Listen, I, I'm just trying to tell you. Do, do, and I'll say this, and I'll say this. It's almost say. It's almost say. We've had it real easy in America. The church has. The body of Christ. We go to church if we want to. We don't if we don't want to. We, 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 can, we can go to different denominations. We, we, can, we can make up our own. But there's coming a day. Now watch what Jesus said. Now everybody look at me. I don't think y'all got no more. Y'all don't have more blanks, do you? Look at me, everybody. I'm going to close with this right here. If you're wondering why this is such a high expectation from Jesus, why would he expect that much of us? Really? Why can't we just live our own lives and watch this, everybody? Look at me. Look at me. Jesus knew that this was going to be a question. And Jesus said this. Jesus said this. He begins to describe building and battling. He just gets through telling his disciples. Watch what he tells his disciples. Y'all ready for this? Unless a, man, unless a man hate his father, his mother, his sisters, his brethren, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Holy moly. And, and hate is the word that means love less. Nikki Joe, that means we have to love him more than we love everything else. Even our own. That means if, if God calls on us to die for our faith, we need to love him so much we're willing to. You with me? I know that's a concept that's very hard to conceive because we've been in America so long, but they're dying every day for their faith around the world. And you know why they're willing to do that? Because they love him more. And I'm afraid when that time comes, there's going to be many in here that's going to walk away. Because you love the things of this world more than you love him. You haven't died, denied yourself, taken up your cross and follow him. Now watch, now watch. Right after he says that, he, he says this. He says, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me or you can't be my disciple. Then he begins to tell about, say, what man of you? Begins to build, say it with me, begins to 
build a tower and doesn't calculate how much it's going to cost. That's a key word. And if he doesn't do that, he gets started on it, runs out of money, and now he looks like a fool. But they won't do that. They'll count the first. He said, how many of y'all, how many generals and soldiers and lieutenants will see the battle ahead and not see if he can win it or not? See, watch this. Not only what's it going to take to build the tower, but what's it going to take to win the battle? He's got to count the. Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. Pinch your neighbor. Wake him up. Put a firecracker in their pocket. <clears throat> Why are you being so harsh, preacher? Why are you saying we have to deny ourselves? Why are you saying we have to pursue Christ with all that we have? Because Jesus said, that's what it's going to take. I've heard preachers over the years all the time. You need to count the cost. Christians need to count the cost. God said for you to count. No, he did not say that. That is not what it's saying. Jesus is saying, I've already counted the cost. I know what it's going to take to build my church. I know what it's going to take to battle the forces of evil in this world. It's going to take disciples who will die to themselves, take up a cross and follow me. That's the cost. That's what it'll take. Listen, I don't want nobody falling out. I don't want no collateral damage in this war. I want us all to be soldiers of the cross. And no matter what this culture does and no matter what this government does, no matter how the persecution comes, I want soldiers of the cross who said, not my will, but thy will be done. It's not what I want, but what you want. And man, there's no greater picture of that than seeing Simon. He changed his direction. He carried a cross and he came after Jesus. You say, did he get saved? I believe he did. You see, let me, let me say this. Everybody, we're done. Three minutes. I got three minutes and you're going to get out of here early. Watch this. Mark, Mark is writing. Mark is writing his gospel. Many, many scholars believe that he's writing this gospel for the church at Rome. Some believe he's dictating from Peter. Peter's telling him everything that happened. He's writing it all down. Y'all with me? And watch what he says. Watch what he says. This is how he says it. Now, if he's in Alabama, this is how he would have said it. He would have said, this is old Simon. Y'all know, as Alexander and Rufus' daddy. Y'all with me? And Mark writes it in a way that makes you see that he assumes that who he's writing it to knows exactly who he's talking about. Are y'all with me? Because they are Christians serving God in the church. You know, old Ruth and Alexander. You know why? Because there was a day in the life of a very religious man when his life changed forever, the moment he changed. And do you know the Bible says in the book of Romans that Paul commends Rufus? Yeah, and brags about Rufus and Rufus's mama, he says uh, about the mama of Rufus and my mama too. In other words, Paul says that she treated me like a son, just like old Ruth. Preacher, what are you saying? The destiny of a family changed the moment he had an encounter at a cross with Jesus. 
Have you changed directions? I didn't ask if you prayed a prayer. I didn't ask if you got baptized. I need to know, did you change direction? If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Are you a new creature? Or do you cuss just as much now as you did before you prayed a prayer? Do you live just as wicked life now as you did before you made a profession down at an altar somewhere? Or are you a new creature? Did you change? All you in here that did change direction, but you're still full of yourself. It's time to say not, but. And let's start pursuing Christ. I wrote something at the bottom of your page. I wrote something at the bottom of your page. There's a lot of people pursuing God's provision when they need to be pursuing his presence. You know what the psalmist said? Oh, I can't wait to get the, my bank account full of what you're giving me, Lord. I can't wait to get the promised prosperity. Did anybody read that? No. He said, I can't wait to be where you are. In other words, I want to be in your presence. I want to be with you. You see, because, watch this now, Nigga Joe, the giver was more important to him than the gift. And some of y'all are chasing the hand. You're chasing Jesus' hand. You're chasing God's hand and what he can give you when you need to be chasing his face and being in his presence. Because some of that stuff he gives you, it's not satisfying you. You're not going to be satisfied with a new car. You know why? When you drive it off a lot, you, you're under, you, you already owe more than what you, you paid for. It. You're already upside down. Houses, you got to keep up. All these things that everybody's killing themselves for. Watch this now. Watch this. Why is his presence so important, preacher? In thy presence is fullness of joy. Pursue him. Pursue him. And I promise you, it will change your life. It will change your life. And all God's people see it.